My brothers and sisters in the Lord, have you ever had those days, maybe those seasons, those times in your life that you question whether God is present, whether God is listening, whether God even cares, those times in which you feel orphaned or alone, the times in which you turn on the television and you see the terrorist attack in England recently. You see the 28 Coptic Christians in Egypt murdered going to church. The eight people who were murdered today in Mississippi. And the litany could go on and on. Our personal problems, our difficulties, areas in our own families and workplaces and schools. I think all of us have those moments that we question. Where is God? Sometimes we have those moments, my friends, when we're like the disciples in the gospel. You know, Jesus is lifted up into heaven. He is ascending, and there they are just kind of staring at the sky. You ever feel like that? Just staring at the sky. Why, God, why? When, God, when? How, God, how? We all have those times, my friends, with this wonderful solemnity of the ascension of the Lord reminds us that God does not leave us orphaned. He has not abandoned us or forsaken us, but He is intimately connected to our lives. Just as He told His apostles right at the beginning of that first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Spirit as we will celebrate the Feast of Pentecost next Sunday. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The same is true for each of us. My brothers and sisters, God has ascended. He has gone up, but he has not abandoned us. I was watching EWTN and they had the boys choir from the Vatican and they were singing a chorale piece written by Peter Phillips in about the 1560s. It's sung in Latin, but the translation is God has ascended. God has gone up. God has ascended with jubilation and the Lord with the sound of the trumpet, alleluia, and the Lord has prepared his seat in heaven, alleluia. You see, my brothers and sisters, where our Lord has gone, we hope to follow. And that's what gives us hope even in the midst of all the tragedies and circumstances of our daily lives, that we're still intimately connected to our God. There's a wonderful little story of a Hollywood actor many years ago who went into the hospital for a procedure. And he was a very handsome gentleman, and all the nurses thought he was very good-looking. And so they just all wanted to take care of him. And so that evening, he had his night nurse, and she had a little crush on this actor. And she said to him before she left the room, if you need anything, sir, anything at all, all you need to do is pull this cord. Those of you who are a little older remember there weren't buttons, there were cords in hospitals. You just pull this cord. And so the actor asked her, and who was on the other end of that cord? And she simply smiled and said, it's me. My brothers and sisters, that is our God. We are intimately connected to him, maybe not by a physical cord, but through our faith. 
that spiritual reality that we're not abandoned or forsaken, but that he is with us always, even until the end of the age, as he says in the gospel today. And that's so very important, especially in those times in our life when we do have that feeling of hopelessness or despair or we're overwhelmed or we're enraged or whatever it may be, that the peace of the Lord and the guidance of the Lord and the tranquility of the Lord comes upon us and allows us to be the disciples he calls us to be. And you see what today's solemnity reminds us, my friends, is this. Because our Lord has ascended, because he now sits at the right hand of the Father as we profess in the creed, then guess what, my brothers and sisters? You're not in control. And I'm not in control. And you know what I say to that? Thanks be to God. Because things may even be more of a mess than they already are if we were in control. It's like the little story of the student who left for college. She was an only child. And she was leaving to go away from college. And she had all these plants and she had a whole bunch of goldfish. And it was the responsibility of her mother to take care of them. There was one problem. Her mother had a brown thumb and she was very forgetful. So about two weeks into the college curriculum, she calls home and the mother has to break the news. All the plants, they're dead. Gone. Already thrown out. About two weeks later, she calls back and the mom has to break the news. All those goldfish, they've been flushed down the toilet because they didn't make it. To which she asked her mother the question, How's dad doing then? <laughs> because you see, my friends, if we're in control, things can get pretty messed up. But we're not. And we give thanks to God because he is still present. We also give thanks to God this day, certainly as we celebrate the solemnity, because of the fact, my brothers and sisters, that it reminds us that we are not only connected to our God, but we're connected to one another. And what we call this mystical body of Christ that is the church. Because you see these apostles that we hear about? They were a very contentious group of men. It wasn't all hunky-dory all the time. I mean, look at James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were fighting to be first in line. They weren't worried about everybody else. They could go where they needed to go. Peter always had his foot in his mouth. But we see at the ascension and certainly with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, this community being formed. And this community coming together, knowing that we cannot do it alone, that we're part of something that is the mystical body of Christ. And that we're called to do it in community. As part of the church. And that we are intimately connected not only to God, but to one another. Sir Edmund Hillary, in the 1950s, I think it was 1956, was the first man with his guide to reach the summit of Mount Everest. If you know anything about the story, you know that during the climb, Sir Hillary took a slip or a fall, and he began to slide down the mountain. And he was heading down into one of the deep crevices on Mount Everest, and the only thing that saved him was because he was tied to his guide by a rope. And the rope caught him. 
and he'd stopped his fall, and then the guide pulled him back up to safety. When they got back down from reaching the summit of the mount, Sir Hilary was not only excited about reaching the summit, but that he was still alive, and was very thankful to his guide. And the native guide, when he was asked about this experience, he simply responded, that's what mountain climbers do. They help one another. My brothers and sisters, that's what Christians do. They help one another. We are connected to our God and we're connected to one another. You may not see the physical rope, but there is a spiritual connection to catch one another, to assist one another. We call it the virtue of charity each and every day. And I think one of the final things we need to be reminded of on this great solemnity is this, my friends. As we are called to go forth, just as the disciples will go forth, to proclaim the good news, we need to ask ourselves, do we do it with a spirit of joy? Because it is good news. But sometimes, my friends, we don't proclaim it too much as good news. There's a lack of that spirit of joy, that spirit of holy anticipation, I like to call it. If you look at the end of St. Luke's Gospel, St. Luke's Gospel ends with the ascension. And the last verse, after Jesus ascends, the evangelist writes this. And the disciples returned to Jerusalem with joy. And they were found day after day worshiping in the temple. They didn't return to Jerusalem in their own pity party. They didn't return to Jerusalem fighting each other, they return to Jerusalem with joy. We're called to be a people of joy and have that lived out. A few years ago, I was giving a Lenten mission at a church in Texas. I won't name the name of the parish, but it was an interesting experience. It was a four-day Lenten mission. And you know, on Lenten missions, you're supposed to kind of get people shaken up, kind of get that spirit awakened. At least that's what I think of Lenten Mission. So I went in, you know, that first day, and this church held like 1,700 people at one time. A huge church. And everyone had this real sour look on their face. And so I'm going, and you know when I preach, I'm kind of animated, just a little bit here. And so they, I could tell they just weren't used to that. And at one point, I was trying to get them worked up, and I said, you know, if you believe that, say amen. And there wasn't a shout in the church. It was silence. And you could see the daggers looking at me. At the end of that first day, someone said to me, Father, no one in this church says amen. I said, okay. <laughs> no one in this church says amen. No one in this church sings a song. Everyone just stands there. And so by the end of day two, I went to the pastor. And I said to him, can you tell me a little bit about your community? And he said, well, Father, I should have told you before you came for this mission. We kind of have an unwritten motto here. At St. So-and-so Parish, we just kind of do our duty, and then we go home. And I said, what? He said, we just do our duty, and we go home. And that's it. We don't go for anything else. I said, well... Father, 
If I can say one thing, I would say this. If Jesus came back to St. So-and-so Parish for a visit, he would never come back again. Now, I know that wasn't the kindest thing to say I went to confession after, but it was true. There was no joy. Why? Because they were just going through the motions. Going to church was just an obligation. And if it lasted more than 50 minutes, it was too long. And believe me, they got 1,700 people out of that church in 50 minutes. They were all just going through the motion. And there was not a joyful person there. There was not a spirit of hospitality or a spirit of community. There was no holy anticipation that they were going to meet God. It's like the little story of the little prince. Some of you may have read that. The little prince, it's a fable, but basically... The little prince meets a fox in the forest and they're having this conversation and they make a you know, really good friendship between them. And so they're going to decide to meet the next day. And the fox says to the little prince, I need to know the exact time, the exact time you're going to show up. So they decide on four o'clock in the afternoon. And at the end, the prince asked the little fox, he said, can I ask you why do you need to know the exact time so precisely? Why is that important to you? And the fox said to the little prince, Oh, because if I know you're coming at four o'clock, I can start being happy at three. Holy anticipation. For six o'clock mass, are you starting to be happy at five? We have to ask ourselves that question because we're coming to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, my friends, oftentimes this great solemnity of the ascension doesn't get as much pomp and circumstance as other feast days in the church. But it's very important because it reminds us that, yes, we're connected to our God and we're connected to one another and we are called to go out to be those disciples with that spirit of joy. And we can do that because God is with us until the end of the world, until the end of age. May God grant us the grace, my friends, to have that holy anticipation as we come to meet our Savior.